Amen. 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 Many a true ready for someone. Obiania kufuze ready. Yamine una dini na. Onu no musu beni na mumu. Eti kasa kasa bebebe. No ena uti funi na ena so. Wamani wasana benso. Wabeshi watafuni na pasa. Wakoni yini na bebubu. Wabeshi watafu. Enough, Wano Where we so, I think we're making we 
And a man never had a major and then person is surprised. Person what turn you? You are now. You are. Ni ato mama ibe nyuma na mano. Yemfanse mushiya oheme. Oheme. Yachiriba. Yachiriba no no. Hallelujah. Oh, bon sem kesi pa yemfansiano. Ene ube shrapa. Peja onza. Jesus. I'm 
Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom, shalom, evening people of God. Shalom, evening church. Please, I believe you're all doing well. I believe everybody is fine. Wow, great. Great. I thank God for your lives. By the special grace of God, myself and my family, we are doing well. God bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray that the covering of the Lord will be upon your life 
in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know that gathering that is against your destiny, but by the power of the Holy Ghost, I scatter every evil gathering that is against your life in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I decree and declare that it is only the gathering of the Lord's people that will be enforced to be made manifest in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, surely they will gather, but not by me. And whatever the purpose, I, the Lord, I will scatter in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Any gathering that is against you, let it be averted in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Any gathering that is against you, let it be scattered in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. He said in the book of Isaiah chapter 54 verse 15, Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for your sake. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. If there is any gathering that is against you, those people that have gathered, according to the word of the Lord, they will fall in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I release the sword of God's judgment against any gathering which is against your life in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. May the will of the Lord be established in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God bless you and keep all of you strong. There is somebody here, I don't know why, um, there is somebody I just saw, Rosemary or something. Rosemary. The Lord is about to open the heavens for you. The Lord is about to open the heavens for you. The Lord said, get ready. I, just, I don't know, but the moment I just saw your name here, the Holy Spirit whispered into my ears and said, tell my daughter that I'm opening the heavens even for her, and I'll cause her to experience my glory in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know who you know because that works at any bank because I looked and I saw in the spirit I am standing at a place and it looks like a bank where people are counting money the Lord whispered into my ears and said I should pray for you and release his empowerment on you so that whatever he has written concerning your life will surely come to pass I cancel delay even from your destiny 
in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. And I enforce only the will of God concerning your life to be made manifest. In Jesus' precious mighty name, you will do well. In Jesus' precious mighty name, delay is cancelled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you and keep all of you strong. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm hearing a name like Simpson. Simpson. Is there anybody here connected to somebody that bears that name? Simpson. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody here connected to somebody that bears the name Simpson? I want to pray for you. Hetty said a friend, okay? Somebody said my dad's friend. Esther said a friend. Okay. Okay, Bibiniba said a student I teach. Okay. Spirit of the living God. What I'm looking at looks like a land that they have built a certain wall around it. And there's a contention on that land. But the Lord said the land belongs to Simpson. He want to find ways and means to take it from his hands. That is because I see that some people have come from China and they want to buy their land. And the chief wants to give it to them. But the Lord said I should speak and declare Simpson to be the owner of that land in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know who that Simpson is, but I speak and enforce only the will of God in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, people of God. We give God praise. We give God glory for tonight. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, let's take a quick word of prayer even before we dive into the word of God. Eternal Father, we give you glory. We give you all the honor. Thank you, Lord Jesus, even for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we have come before thee. We have come before thee this evening that you will help us cause your light to shine upon us, that we will come to the place of understanding even the mysteries of your word. We give you all the glory, we give you all the praise. Your word is already anointed. We know that your word is powerful, quick, and sharper than any two edged sword piercing into the dividing ascender of the soul and the spirit even the bones and the marrows and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of men let the power of your word be made manifest even in our lives even as it comes forth with great power 
in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we give God praise, we give God glory. Um, before we move on to what I want to talk about, let me just take some few questions. If you have any question, you can feel free and ask. You can ask questions about the spiritual world. You can ask questions about the prophetic. You can ask questions about the doctrines in Christianity. You can ask questions on every side of the scriptures. So feel free, if there's any question you want to ask, feel free and ask. Let's go. This is a big opportunity. The Lord is ready to help us with understanding and divine knowledge. So if you have any question, you can feel free and ask. Any question. Any question? Some of you, when you are walking alone, you have a lot of questions in your mind, but the moment you join the platform, you forget everything. May the Lord help us and grant us grace. Somebody is asking, Papa, how would you know a prophecy is from God? How would you know that a prophecy is from God? Okay, that's a beautiful question. Now, let me help you with this. In the Old Testament, God gave a certain criteria in decoding whether a prophet is from him because once the prophet is from him then definitely the words that the prophet will speak will definitely be from God are you following so God was saying that whenever a prophet comes to prophesy in my name and the prophecy does not come to pass it means that person is not my prophet and you should stone him to death now that is the old testament so in the old testament the litmus test of a true prophet and a true prophecy was actually the manifestation of the prophetic word this is the reason why I always let you understand that there are certain things we call prophecy that when you look at it from the very essence of what prophecy is, it is not really called prophecy. Are you getting it? So when somebody is prophesying to you, the person can, can apply many gifts at the same time. 
He can go to your past and tell you the matters of your past and even the matters of your present. It is, that one is called word of knowledge. It is not necessarily prophecy. But then we classify all of them as prophecy. And that is why mostly we get confused. When somebody is telling you about your past and your present, he's actually speaking from what we call the word of knowledge. Can you all hear me, please? Good. So you see, when it comes to prophecy, mostly the prophecy is actually what God has set to do, that which is coming straight from the Lord concerning what he has purposed to do. And mostly whenever God speaks, concerning what he would do, there are certain things we need to understand and we need to know because the way things used to happen in the times of old is quite different from how the New Testament prophetic flows. Because in the Old Testament prophetic, when the people were not prophesying like the way we do prophesy, you get it. When they hear from the Lord, it is either they are going to speak the word to the king about the whole nation. They are going to... So most of the times, whenever the Old Testament prophets hear something, it was actually against maybe the Israelites. It was maybe against the king. It was such a kind of general prophetic word. It was not like specific one like the way individual prophecies are like maybe a man of God will call you and tell you that God is going to do this for you there was nothing like that in the times of old are you getting it because in the Old Testament people were not receiving specific prophecies unless there were people that God was going to put in high authority to fulfill a particular assignment and even that one, when they receive that prophetic word, it is either they are going to be prophets or they are going to be kings or they are going to be priests. So the prophet will hear what the Lord has to say. Then the prophet will now have a horn of oil or any vessel that God will determine. And he will pour the oil on the person God spoke to him about. Then they will anoint the person into that office. It was only when somebody has a specific assignment that God has designated to him that sometimes God will speak concerning the person. 
Are you getting it? So mostly, the, the Old Testament prophetic is actually a bit different from the New Testament prophetic. Because in the New Testament prophetic, we all, having the Holy Spirit, who also is the spirit of prophecy, are all having a certain level of the prophetic at work in us. It was not so in the Old Testament. That is the reason why in the New Testament, we are only flowing in what we call the priesthood of Melchizedek, according to that order. Because in the Old Testament, there were three categories of people that were anointed with oil. The priest, the king, and the prophet. Are you getting it? Now, the Bible said Jesus Christ is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek actually speaks of the priest and the king dimension. Because Melchizedek was the king of Salem and at the same time the priest of the Most High God. Now, if that is so, what about the prophetic? So it makes it look like in the New Testament, we are actually flowing in the order of Melchizedek, which speaks of the kingship and the priesthood dimension. What about the prophetic? The prophetic is already in us because we have the Holy Spirit by whom prophecies were given in the times of old. So the word of the Lord even said in the book of Peter, Peter made a statement that no prophecy came by the will of man, but holy men spoke by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So it was by the Holy Spirit that prophecies came. So if you have the Holy Spirit in you as a born-again believer, the prophetic is already a foundation in your life. Are you getting it? And you now need to walk in what we call the Melchizedek order of priesthood, where the kingship and the priestly dimension actually is. Are you getting it? Good. So now, when it comes to knowing whether a prophecy is from God, let me give you first keys. The first thing you need to know about the prophecy is this. Whenever a prophecy is from God, it impacts grace. It impacts love. Whenever a prophecy is from God, it takes away fear. Even if the prophetic word is about something negative that the enemy is planning against you, at the end of the prophecy, there will definitely be a certain kind of joy in your heart, knowing very well that the Lord has already taken care of the matter. Now, even when you are supposed to pray and fast against the thing, you do that with the joy of the Lord in your heart. Are you following? Good. Now listen. When a prophecy is not backed by the Spirit of God, it mostly goes like maybe somebody is about to die and there is nothing we can do about it. Maybe you are prophesying to the person. They, go, they put fear, so much fear in your heart. 
and they leave you alone with the fear. Are you getting it? So the first thing you need to decode about prophecies that are from God is that it definitely will impart love and grace in your heart. And the second thing is that when that prophecy comes, there is this sense of responsibility that will be activated in you. You will just sense within you that there is something I need to do. Are you getting it? And the last part of it speaks of the manifestation of the prophecy. But then the reason why I'm saying it is the last part is because you have to have a role in that. No prophecy that has been given to any man on this earth, like an individual prophetic word, stands on its own to manifest on its own. No. I've already told you that prophecies are given from about 12 realms. Prophecies are given from about 12 realms of the spirit. When I say 12 realms, what do I mean? Now, there was a prophetic word. Do you know that there was a man, a prophet in the Old Testament by name Balaam? And we all know how Balaam received an invitation from a king by name Balak to go and curse the children of Israel. In fact, God told Balaam, the prophet, not to go. But the guy was so focused on the money that Balak had promised him. So he decided to go. And on his way, an angel of the Lord appeared. His donkey even saw the angel, but he did not see. It was later that he saw. Now, this guy went straight to Balak after the angel of the Lord had warned him that you can go, but then speak only what the Lord will, will usher you to speak. So when Balaam went to meet Balak, when he opened his mouth to release curses on Israel, it became blessings because that was what the Lord was ushering him to speak. Now, after everything Balaam made a certain pronouncement. He made a certain prophetic word. And this was the word that he spoke. He said, I see him. Yet, it is not time. He began to prophesy about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ about 1,400 years before Jesus was born. He prophesied of 14 centuries before Jesus was born. 
Are you listening to me? Now, the realm where Balaam picked that prophetic word is different from the realm where maybe we prophesy to people one-on-one. In the higher the realm where you pick a prophetic word, the easier it will come to pass by all means. So the prophetic word that spoke about Jesus' birth was somebody that God even was the one who said it to Satan in the book of Genesis chapter 3. God spoke about it. Balaam prophesied about it. David even prophesied. Isaiah prophesied. A lot of prophets prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus. There were many things the enemy did to stop it, but it did not, it did not stand. It came to pass. Now, this one is different from, let's say, God speaking through a prophet that you, you are going to travel. If you misbehave, your misbehavior can stop the prophecy from coming to pass because you are not Jesus. And also because where the level where your prophecy was taken is, high, is very low as compared to where... Are you getting the point? So we need to understand that. Are you get so these are the basic and simple ways to decode whether a prophecy is from God. But then there is all once you have the Holy Spirit. If somebody is speaking from the Holy Spirit, there must be an inner witness. Once you have the Holy Spirit in you, if somebody is speaking from the Holy Spirit, as in prophecy, there should be an inner witness inside you. Are you getting it? When you have not built that fellowship with the Holy Ghost, then anybody can deceive you. So it is your responsibility first to build your connection with the Holy Spirit to build that inner voice because it doesn't matter the number of women that will mention your name if your mother mentions your name you will pick her voice I hope you know that so 50 women should gather and they should start mentioning your name. But the moment your mother mentions you, you know that, ah, this one is my mother's voice. All because you have been with your mother for a long time. So the more you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more you know how he speaks. So when somebody is speaking, claiming that he's speaking in the name of the Spirit, you can quickly detect that the person is false. Are you getting it? The, the problem of many Christians is that they don't know this. And they are always trying to look for seven ways to know that a prophecy is not from God. Seven ways to know you will miss it. The easiest way to detect is when the Holy Spirit himself 
gives you the witness. Are you getting it? Great. Someone said, please, Papa, please, how do we build a relationship with the Holy Spirit? This one, I have a message on that um, on the podcast. You can go and, and download and listen to it because it's a whole lot of um, things I need to... If I try to go into that one, you know... Are you getting hard? So I have a message on that on the podcast. You can just go and download that. It will be a blessing to your life. Hallelujah. Someone said, man of God, please, how come King Herod and others were celebrating Easter, but they didn't believe in Jesus? And what was their explanation from Easter celebration? <laughs> I like the question. That's why t- I've been telling that Easter has nothing to do with Jesus. Don't be confused, though. Easter has nothing to do with Jesus. You tell people this, and they say, what are you talking about? Go into history. You ask yourself this question. What is the meaning of the name Easter? Where did it come from? Try to research on that. Go into history and learn. You will know that Easter has nothing to do with Jesus' death at all. Are you listening to me? So I said this the other time. That there was a certain goddess by name Ishtar. This goddess was the goddess of fertility. So during that period, the people will enter into sexual, open sexual orgies where they keep having sex in public. And what they do is that when they keep having that sexual intimacy, the women will conceive. And when the women conceive from the month of March to the month of December, they would give birth. And mostly according to that lineage on the 25th of December they will sacrifice all the babies that the women conceived during the time of the celebration of Easter the goddess of fertility they will sacrifice all the children to that goddess on evil altars are you listening to me You need to understand this. You see, so our problem is this. We just came to meet certain things. We have not even questioned them. The Bible said, them that know their God, if you don't know your God, you will not do exploits in life. I'm telling you. There are many things you need to understand. You came to meet Easter because your elders and your apostles are saying Easter convention. You too have believed. Because what was left for them is what they are also continuing. And that's where the problem lies. When you talk about it, people will be like, 
all these apostles who have been there many years ago and you, you just came. Thank you. Go to your apostle. Let me take the message God has given to me. Go to your ancient apostles. Let them teach you ancient things. We, we just came. So we will take our just coming message. But then when we all meet the Christ, we will know that which was light and that which was darkness. We are making deadly mistakes. It will shock you that, I said this the other time, that not all, some people celebrate Christmas, but they are not Christians. Because they know Christmas has nothing to do with Jesus. They know. So when they are celebrating the thing, they, they have a different mentality altogether. But Christians think that is the date of birth of Jesus Christ. Who told you? Which part of your Bible told you that Jesus was born on the 25th of December? Which part of your Bible? Huh? And which part of your Bible told you that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is called Easter? Who told you? What about the Passover? Is it not Passover that the Lord gave to us? He said Easter. If you know history, you know that Christianity has passed through a whole lot of hands and societal governments to change some of the things in Christianity. If you don't know history, you will think you, you just come and meet things and you grab them. You don't know. May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. So please, um, I've answered that person. The reason why King Herod engaged in Easter is because Easter has nothing to do with Jesus. It is the, the celebration of a goddess called Easter. Nice one. Someone said, how can one differentiate between the presence of the spirit of delay and divine long-suffering? You see, this is why I said that some of these things, it is by the spirit that we know. And if there is anything I'm supposed to teach you, I should teach you how to spend quality time before the Holy Spirit. The, when you spend time with him, he will tell you. Are you getting it? Neba said, how were the disciples able to write all about Christ except his date of birth? When Christ was born, the disciples didn't even know that a certain Jesus has been born. Because it was at the age of 30 that Jesus was just looking for them. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. They didn't even know anything. So it was what Jesus told them that they knew. But then, I have a message on when Jesus was born. You can go and check. 
when I was talking about Christmas, I talked exactly on when he was born. And I told you it is between August and September. According to a long um, calculation that we did, you can go and follow. Because we got to know that when before Mary got pregnant, the cousin of Mary called Elizabeth also got pregnant. Are you following? The husband of Elizabeth, who is Zechariah the priest, was performing his priestly duties according to his course. In fact, we use that course to explain. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that your wife will conceive. He didn't believe, so he, he became deaf and dumb. And that very season when he got home, the wife conceived. Six months later, an angel appeared to Mary. And that was when Mary also conceived. Are you getting it? God bless you, Michael K. God bless you. It means you have that thing really, really in your, in your mind. Great. So when we look at Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. And Mary gave birth to Jesus. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. So if you get to know when John the Baptist was born, you will know when Jesus was born. And how will you know when John the Baptist was born? We now need to know when he was conceived. Because he was conceived the day that the angel appeared to his father when he was performing his priestly duties. And the word of the Lord gave us the very moment when Zechariah the priest was performing his duties. And if we use that as the calculation, we will know. In fact, we, we established that. So you can go and download that message. You will know. So Jesus was actually born around August, September. Are you following? But then even Jesus did not tell us to celebrate his birth. Jesus, he never told us to celebrate the day he was born. He did not even bother to tell the, the apostles. Um, Jesse, what, what, are you, what are you going to do with that? The only thing he told us to continually do was the Holy Communion which was a symbol of the Passover, not Easter. And then, baptism. These were the only two ordinances that he told us to continually do. Are you listening to me? And even when it comes to the Holy Communion, he said, as often as you partake of it. Feet washing is there, but he never told us to do feet washing. That is what we need to understand. You see, there were certain things that Jesus did. He just did them. And there were certain things 
he told the people that even when he is gone, they should do it. Now understand that when Jesus was on earth, he had not yet, the church was not yet born. There was nothing like the body of Christ when Jesus was on earth. There was nothing like the church. Are you getting it? The church was actually born on the very day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came upon the disciples. That was the moment where the church was born. So most of the things that Jesus did was actually a fulfillment of the old covenant. Now, don't forget this. Because many of us, our problem is this. We, we, I don't know how to, we just mix all the scriptures in the Bible. We mix all of them. And that's why we get confused. Are you getting it? We mix all the scriptures. Now, the word of the Lord said in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible said, Steady to show thyself approved unto God. A wet man that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, A wet man who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The ISV says, Do your best to present yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. With precision. That means that you can handle the word of truth without precision. And that precision is what the King James says, rightly dividing. Are you, are you getting the point? Now, when you take your Bible, your Bible is originally divided into two. Old Testament and New Testament. Have you ever asked yourself why? Why do we have Old Testament? And why do we have New Testament? If they are not necessary, if you don't understand why we have old and new, you will miss a lot of things. You will never understand the dealings of God. Because you will read the Old Testament and see God killing people. And in the New Testament, when people do evil, God will show them mercy. And you don't understand. Ah! You will get confused. Because when you hear a man preaching that God is a loving father, and you go and read the Old Testament where people, Nadab and Abi who burnt incense before the Lord God said, I did not tell you to do so. Fire came from God and consumed them. You'll be like, what is, what is happening? The same loving father. Are you getting it? It is because you have not rightly divided the word of truth. First, understand that your Bible is originally divided into two, Old Testament 
and New Testament. Now let me say another thing here. There is a difference between Old Covenant and Old Testament. They are not the same. Old Covenant and Old Testament are not the same. That is why when you take your Bible, it is not, it is not written Old Covenant. It is written Old Testament. Are you getting it? And it is not written New Covenant, but New Testament. What is the difference between a covenant and a testament? Now, when we speak of a testament, it is out of that word we have testimony. And when we speak of a testimony, the one that gives a testimony is called a witness. And when we speak of a testimony or a testament, it also means a written will. A written will. Are you following? Good. Anytime you hear testament, it is speaking of a written document. Testament is a written document. But then, covenant is not always written. There are different kinds of covenants. So, Jesus made a certain statement. When he took the cup, When Jesus took the cup, he said, This is the new covenant that is in my blood. Do you know that if Jesus had not shed his blood on the cross, there wouldn't have been any new covenant? Can you all hear me, please? Good. Now, the new covenant started when Jesus died on the cross. The new covenant. So a covenant is cut. Can you all hear me, please? 
good. Now, let me just give you a clear um, understanding on this. Let's say I have entered into a blood covenant with somebody. Now, the act, the mingling of the blood and the words that we see makes up the covenant. Are you getting it? But then the life we live after that covenant has been made, if we pen it down, it becomes the testament around the covenant. So the testament is the body of literature that surrounds a covenant. Are you getting it? Now, it can be before the covenant and after the covenant. That is why the very new covenant was cut when Jesus died on the cross. Now, when Jesus was born, from the time he was born until the time he was nailed to the cross, all those periods were not the new covenant. But in your Bible, they call it the New Testament. So when you start reading Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and they are mentioning things, and Adam begat this, and this begat that, and this begat that, it is not part of the New Covenant. So most of the things that Jesus even said before his death, he was actually referring mostly to the Old Covenant because he first came to fulfill the Old Covenant so that his death and resurrection will be the beginning of a new covenant. Now, Jesus said that the new covenant is in his blood. It is through the blood of Jesus that a new covenant is cut. So if Jesus has not shed his blood on the cross, then we do not have any new covenant. I don't know if you are getting my point. That is the main reason why I'm telling you this. Because we are all new covenant believers. And if you don't rightly divide things, you will make a big mistake. And I, I wish I can say something that will shake your head. There are many questions that the Pharisees came to ask Jesus. They came to ask him according to the law. And Jesus also answered them according to the law. Are you, are you following And when we speak of the law, we are talking about the Mosaic Covenant, which is also part of the Old Covenants. When I was talking about understanding the whole Bible, I laid this foundation so that we all will understand. So Jesus was born, and at the age of 12, he entered the synagogue. He was asking the priest some questions and this and that, and all these can be included in the new covenant, but in the new testament, but it is not the new covenant. Whatever happened to humanity after the death and resurrection of Jesus is what entails in the new covenant. Don't miss it. Don't miss this statement. Because if you can be a workman who need not to be ashamed, you have to understand this basic thing. There are many things that Jesus even said about marriage that he was not even referring to the new covenant believers. 
Are you following? If you don't know this, I'm telling you, you will never understand the word of God. You keep having a lot of questions in your mind. Are you following? Because during the time of Jesus, during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were two categories of people that were living according to how Jesus termed things. During the time of Jesus, there were two categories of people that were living, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles. Are you following? But after the death and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, the church was born. So now we have three categories of people, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Now, all these people had different mentality. So if God has called somebody, we should know. The person should know how to, if the person has been called by God, let's say you have been, you are, you are part of the body of Christ, you are part of the church, you have been called as an apostle. You should know whom you have been called to. Are you getting it? That is why Paul was called to the Gentiles. Peter, James, and the others were called to the Jews. So there was a way where they were preaching to the people they were called to. So when we read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. The Bible said, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor the, to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. The ISV says, Don't become a stumbling block to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. These were the three categories of people that were living in that time. So whenever Jesus says something, now we all need to understand that basically Jesus was a Jew. I hope we all know that. Good. Jesus was a Jew. And his mission was that when he came, he said, all that the prophets and the law said was about me. I came to fulfill it. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He said, all that the prophets prophesied were about him. And the whole law was even about him. So he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That is the first thing you should take note of. If you don't understand this, you will never understand the Bible in its entirety. First, Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant so that 
he will create a new covenant. Because if the old had no fault, there wouldn't be any need for a new covenant to be made. Are you listening to me? Now, you ask yourself this question. When you read the Old Testament, every year, the children of Israel will bring a lamb and they will take it to a high priest. They will kill it, sprinkle the blood upon themselves and take some of the blood into a certain vessel that, that the high priest will take straight into the most holy place, sprinkle it on the mercy seat. God will appear in the Shekinah glory and you will receive the high priest and the sacrifice, then the children of Israel will rejoice, knowing very well that their sins have been covered for one year. This was the act. But since AD 72, there has not been any high priest, nothing like get a lamb, let us kill. Why is it that we are not doing that? Because that was an old covenant system. And Jesus came to fulfill it. We are not doing that because Jesus is our Passover lamb. And once we believe in him, we do not need to sacrifice all these things. I don't know if you are all getting my point. So there were words that Jesus spoke. It was to the Jews. There were words that he spoke. Do you know that a time came, the Pharisees went to Jesus and they asked him a question. The question they asked was that, at what time can a man put away his wife? That means, at what time can a man divorce his wife? Now, according to what Jesus said, Jesus started referring them to Moses and started telling them what Moses told them. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, I think chapter 24, Moses said, when a man marries and after some time he realizes that the wife has become unclean to him, he should write a note of divorce give it to the woman and send the woman out of his house. <laughs> now Moses, who was the law? God bless you. Just suppose a man carries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. This was the Old Testament, how people were supposed to divorce. And Jesus said, Meanwhile, the idea of God for marriage was too high, very, very, very high. In such a way that Jesus said, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. What God has put together, not what, to, what a pastor has brought together. No, what God 
There are many marriages going on in church. Pastors are putting two people together. There is no God putting the people together. Are you following? Good. So now, the people came to ask Jesus this question. In the book of Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19. Let's read from verse 3 to 8. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 3 to 8. He said, Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Then Jesus said, haven't you read the scriptures? What scriptures is Jesus talking about here? That is the Old Testament. Are you getting it? So you see, Jesus is referring the people to the Old Testament here. Now this is not, you see, the whole thing that you are reading here, Jesus has not yet died. So you might call it New Testament, but... The new covenant has not actually started. Don't miss a lot of things here. So anything that Jesus will say, he will just link. That is why sometimes when he even heals the sick, he will say, go to the high priest, go to the priest, go to this. Meanwhile, Jesus was the priest. But then he, he has not yet taken his blood to the heavenly temple. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. The baby amrana to fulfill it. He didn't come to throw the, the law away. And how did Jesus fulfill the law? We'll come to that side. But then let us understand some of the things Jesus said when it comes to marriage. So the Pharisees came to tempt him that can a man divorce his wife because of any, just any reason? Jesus, haven't you read the scripture, the Old Testament? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Verse 6. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, from this point, we know that Jesus, looking at what he's speaking of from the Old Testament, is trying to let the people, the Pharisees, know that God actually never liked divorce. Because God had a higher reason for marriage so that he will make two people one. Just as there is oneness between the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. 
Are you getting it? Now, Jesus went forward to say this. Then the Pharisees asked him again, Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce. Listen to that. <laughs> listen to that well and well and well. Who permitted the divorce? And why did Moses permit the divorce? Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. Other versions will say, Moses permitted divorce because of the hardness of your heart. It was because of your hardness of heart that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not this way. Mm. That means God in his mind never designed any marriage to end in divorce. God never designed any marriage to end in divorce. Are you listening to me? Because of the agenda that God was trying to achieve with marriage. Because divorce distorts that whole unity plan. Once you divorce, you can't be one. He said, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this. Now listen to what Jesus is saying. He's not trying to bring a higher level of the law. <laughs> the same law. And this is what Moses was talking about. Because in the Old Testament, people used to divorce their wives anyhow. Fanchini Bremi, Nani Obani Refi. No, I could find my cube and where any. I don't know what sword Dennis are. You can be a child, I won't minty and Cheneke cannot confirm my cube. Media day, we are through divorce document. Tin 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 tin, copper perfume. A commandinty. Now, after that, Jesus said, because the people asked Jesus if a man can divorce his wife for any reason. Now, still it is according to the law of Moses because when it comes to God, God does not allow divorce. He does not like it. So when it is God speaking, he will say, no, don't divorce. So anytime you hear any word that will give you like a license or can say you can divorce, it is not according to the new covenant. 
it is still in relation to the old, as Moses said. Are you listening to, to me? So Jesus now even came to the point of saying that, don't just divorce your wife for any reason, but in case your wife does something that has to do with fornication and adultery, your wife or your husband has been unfaithful. And you can divorce her. Now, what Jesus said is actually not for the body of Christ. Mm. This is where the matter gets hot. Because Jesus is still speaking according to the law of Moses. So he said, and I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Now he's talking to the Pharisees. According, oh, God bless I love that one. Now, this is according to the law of Moses. Now, do you know that in the New Testament, Paul also said something that, that's why many people don't get a lot of things here, because they pick what Jesus says, and when you look at what Paul also said in the book of 1 Corinthians 7, it looks like Jesus and Paul were fighting. Because it looks like Jesus was saying you can divorce if it is only the matter of fornication. And even when further to say certain things like, if you divorce and you go and marry another person, you have engaged in adultery. So we live in a certain era where there are churches when somebody divorces in the church, they start seeing the person as a low Christian a low-level Christian, a low-budget Christian. They see you to be someone who is even going to hell. According to what Jesus said, you are committing adultery and you will go to hell. And if you know the number of people who have gone through troubles, let me give you a secret. This thing, in fact, it was by, by the prophetic that God changed my understanding about this. It was not even according to the Bible. How many of us remember that I was prophesying to one woman here and I told her that her husband wants to kill her. In fact, her ex-husband. The man said he would never divorce the lady. How many of us remember that? Good. He said he would never divorce the lady. And she was planning to kill the lady, doing all sorts of evil things. Now, according to legal things, they are not divorced. But then, when the Lord was speaking to me concerning that woman, the Lord was even showing me another man. And I even told, I even told her that then, then that man that God is revealing to me, she is in a relationship with the man. 
but the man they, they have released a certain sickness on the man and the lady even confirmed i don't know if you remember that prophetic word now let's bring this one into the matter <laughs> The, the woman is not divorced yet. But the Lord is showing me another man. That the Lord said we should pray for him because that man will help the lady. He should go ahead and marry her. But they want to kill the man. So they have placed a certain disease. The Lord is speaking to me that the woman should go and marry another man. What do you think about this one? Hello, people of God. What do you think about this one and what Jesus said? <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you are not able to rightly divide the word of truth, you will miss it. Are you listening to me? If you don't rightly divide the word of truth, what Jesus was telling the people was according to the law of Moses. But now, in the new covenant, Paul told us something about marriage. Can I say this? <laughs> Now, after Jesus made his statement, listen to some of something that Jesus said. After he said all those things that if a woman does this, if there is divorce and the man goes to marry another person, the man is committing adultery. This, the disciples were listening to this. They said, "Will you?" So in Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, the disciples said, the Bible said, Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. <laughs> Because in the near man is sounding, it was so tough. Now, after they said that, Jesus made a very powerful statement in verse 11 downwards. Listen to what he said. Even that statement, he said it is not for everybody. So for God bless you. Hallelujah. Now listen to what he said in verse 11. He said this statement is not for everybody. If you can take it, fine. If you cannot take it, leave it. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, not everybody can accept this statement. Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Till you, 
and what is this that we need God to help before we can understand Jesus said some are born as eunuchs some have been made eunuchs by others and some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven let anyone accept this who can now let me Read it from a different version for you to understand. Matthew 19. I want different versions, different versions. The gift of tongues. I see. I want you to understand the, the, the simplicity of the word so that the Holy Ghost sent from heaven. Hmm. Okay, the message said, but Jesus said, not everyone is matured enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace Marriage isn't for everyone. Listen to him. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. Mm. Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that? That means that what it takes power for somebody to marry, it is not sexual edge. Do you know, your body is doing you like something, so you want to get married. You are not serious. divine grace I'm telling you let me read it from the easy English the easy English said what I say is true there are several different reasons why a man cannot marry some men cannot have sex <laughs> hey akumolo katakasas Now, listen to it. Listen to it. Mamim Kosinitin here. He said, Some men cannot have sex. They were born like that. They were born like that. Some other men also cannot have sex. This is because men did something to them. So somebody has been castrated because of that. You cannot have it. Some people too were born, they cannot even have sex at all. <laughs> I think this one is in China, many better. And he said, and now 
and now they cannot have sex. Some men do not marry because they can work better for God without a wife. Mm, 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 mm. Did, did you hear that? I take it again. He said, some men do not marry because they can work better for God without a wife. Anyone who can understand this can agree with it. <laughs> Good. He said, Na why you won't go, sir? You obey to me, Ajino, Manoni. Hey, I love the word of God. <laughs> oh me, I had, I had one in tea. Now we are ready. Now let me, me, me treat the chakra. Let me train the tree. Yet they will be free men. I am intimate with no. Hallelujah. <laughs> are, are you getting something? So now the first thing is this. Now when you read other versions, what they are actually talking about here, they said eunuch. Other versions will say celibate. When we say somebody is a celibate or a eunuch, in the times of old, there were certain men who used to bath the queens. And there were certain women too who used to bath the kings and the princes. Are you following? Now, those men who used to bath the, the queens, they were castrated. They will, sometimes they would cut off the whole genital or they would cut off the vast difference. Which is the sperm duct. I don't know if you're my point. Sometimes the ability for the man to erect is taken away totally. Because you can't be bathing the queen mother of a Joseph. And you are calculating things in different realms. You care with your check. So before some men are born in a way that they can't even erect. They don't those people marriage our background and the basabasa. Our money team they were born like that. They cannot marry. Now, some of these people. Can go to the palace and say, King, did it say near woman in Tino? Um, let me help bath the queen. Some people too will give themselves, they will go and they will say, Castrate me so that I can bath the, the queen.
Are you following? And there are some people who will decide they will never marry because of the kingdom of God. They want to work for God effectively so they don't need their wife like Paul. Now, this is what Paul wanted all men to be like. That for the kingdom's sake, be like me, Paul. Don't marry. But then he said, if you are not a eunuch or someone who has been castrated and you still have everything intact, there is a certain passion in you that will burn. And if care is not taken, you go and fornicate. So because of that burning sensation and that burning passion, Paul said, marry. God, eh, in those times, eh, in the times of old, people used to do things. They take their head, kill me for the sake of Kumau. Kill me for the sake of this. Castrate me. I want to serve the king. This, this. It was a, it was a pleasure to them. People could give themselves, kill me so that my nation will be saved. And yet, no. And yet, no. Somebody is walking with her girlfriend to a point and they were walking somewhere and somebody shouted, hey, with that girl inside their shame, one is saying, no. Where you are there saying, I have somebody who is helping me, he's protecting me, he's gone. Whatever should happen to you, should happen to you. See me, call and Kobe. Are you, are you following? We live in an era people don't understand kingdom matters. We don't have people who can say, okay, because of God's kingdom, I will not marry. Because if I work, I can work for God better without a wife. So some people, some of us, some people like me, I can work for God better when I have a wife. So I married. Are you listening to me? You see what the Catholic priests are doing? The fathers. There is a burning passion, but they want to think, they want to make themselves like Paul. <laughs> so most of the fathers keep sleeping with the mass service. Some of them have children in some villages. But they will come to the church. Say the, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Say confession. Come and confess your sins to Father. Father. Father Bernard. Master. The thing if you can't marry you, marry. It is not by force. I tell you. You want to be a father. You don't want to marry. Go to. There are some people that they, are, they call them wanzam. They can cut your, 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 your genital for you. You won't feel anything again. 
there you can do the father work properly. I don't know why this woman said, oh, Father Bernard, and she fell inside the coffin. I'm sure so only Father Bernard will mark. Because who does that? What she was saying, Father, but she couldn't say it. She couldn't voice it out. Hallelujah. When I go to heaven, I will ask Father Bernard. Father, what happened, Father? May the Lord have mercy on all of us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's read something from the book of First Corinthians chapter 7. Yentin your point so kind concerning marriage. Now we all understood that when Jesus was speaking to the Jews, he said one thing. He said, if you divorce your wife because she committed adultery, don't marry. Because if you marry, you too, you have, you have become somebody who is also practicing adultery. Are, are you listening to me? Now, this is what Jesus said to the Jews. Now, let's listen to what Paul said. Okay, you let's listen. There were points where Paul would say, this is for me, or this is for the Lord. So you let's go there and listen. Now, we should just take note of these two things. Paul was speaking to the church, which is the new covenant believers. Jesus was speaking to the Jews, the old covenant people. Are you following? Now, Paul said, now about what I told you, is it advisable for a man not to marry? Paul said, because sexual immorality is so rampant, every man should have his own wife and every woman should have her own husband. Now, when you look at this verse, it should actually come to your mind that Paul was just telling people that, you don't marry. But then because of sexual, the, 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 the way sexual immorality is rampant, you get your own wife or your own husband. The key word, own. Are you following? Now, verse 3, he said, A husband should fulfill his obligation to his wife, and a wife should do the same for her husband. A wife does not have authority over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but his wife does. That means you can't say, oh, I'm tired, I'm tired. When your husband is not tired, we are all not tired. Unless we all sit down to agree. He's saying, 
the upper fan woman mentality come, you will see what will happen. You can't say that. This is Bible, huh? This is new covenant scripture to all of us. I'm tired, I'm tired. When the man is not tired, the body, your body is not yours. It is for the man, according to the scripture. Your husband's body too is not for him. So when you told the wife, your husband says he's tired and you, you are not tired. My brother, brother Bernard, hear what the word of the Lord is saying. If God's word is your final authority, forget about your tired. Fulfill your duties. Now, let's go further. When you get an understanding man, you can say, oh, I can see you are tired. Oh, oh they are resting. But when you see a man who has taken Dr. Amuzu, has taken angel natural capsules, has taken all manner of things, and he's waiting for you, sister, swallow your tiredness. And fulfill righteousness. Are you listening to me? You need to hear what I'm saying, you know. Some of you, the modest same worry and no. To kokunu and I made my bread and I made my bread and I also be a wabre. By the time you realize another young lady somewhere on Mreda, she's pulling your husband. And kofobi mreo bread. Now you be tired in around. Some people don't get tired. And some of these people, when they get your husband, you are dead. <coughs> you dead. You dead. I'm serious. Let me say it. I don't know why God is twisting the whole thing to this side. But I think many of you, you need to be blessed with this one. You'll be there. Because if your husband does not fear God to a certain height, even those who love God and are following God, there are many times and cases where they fall. Some of you listening to me, married women, by now, they would have gone for other women and they have destroyed their marriage. Because you are, you are always tired and I'm tired and I'm this. Paul said your body is not for you, it is for your husband. You do not have authority over it. Even tiredness cannot tell you what you are supposed to do to your body. Let's go further. Paul is saying something profound here. Somebody said, even dating. We are talking about marriage. Okay, I don't want to say what I wanted to say. Let's move further. <laughs> okay. because Yes, yes. 
Hallelujah. Good. Apostle Clem is here. He will help me. <laughs> All right. Now let's read the next verse. Paul said, do not withhold yourselves from each other unless, so you see, I told you when I was teaching the family life people, even when you are tired and your husband is not tired, there is what you can do to help. When your husband is tired and you are not tired, there is what you can do to help. Unless both of you come to a consensus. Okay, now this, I think in the NEC. Because if you, the woman, you are fasting and you did not tell your husband that you are fasting, and your husband wants to go to Jerusalem. You can't say, I'm fasting. Chef. That is why when you want to fast, and your husband says, don't fast, don't do it. You can do it behind the scenes. But then some husbands, almost 6 p.m., you are cooking in the kitchen, waiting for 6 p.m. He will come there and fulfill all righteousness. You collapse your fasting. So the best thing is to come to an agreement. Are you getting it? That is why you should you should choose well, oh. choose well. So we know kuna otinya mia sema susuru nyamia. Some of these things when we move in the new crazy can't want simple. Because you have already matured in these things. But if you go and marry somebody who, who even cannot control his sexual edge, as a mother, are you getting it? Because that some people, some guys, they just can't control their sexual age, so they just want to marry. So you, the woman, they are marrying you because all the age that they've been feeling way back, they are coming to exact everything on you. Why Any three months, no, I say sheet of paper, sheet of paper. There was a young man who wanted to marry. He went to meet his father in the Lord with the lady. And when he, when he went there, the father in the Lord said, Wow, please, um, I want to talk to my son alone. Please, lady, can you please excuse us? So the lady went out. And the, man, the father in the Lord said to the guy, Hey, what do you want to put yourself into? You want to marry this lady? You, you, there, something will happen to you. Be careful. The guy didn't listen. He left the place. After two months, the man of God even saw that. He saw their wedding pictures. He didn't say anything. Three months in the marriage, the man of God was in his office one day when he heard the knock. He opened the door and this guy came. Very lanky. He said, He stood before the father. Say, Father, forgive me. Father, my wife. In the morning, three. In the afternoon, four. In the evening, five. In the night, eight. Papa, save me. Papa, I'm dying. Papa, please. Hmm. Just say, 
<laughs> he said, the lady herself, she's a machine. <laughs> I feel that Papa saved me. Amen. Hallelujah. Yanum no awasa. That's why you should be very careful. Some some people are marrying because of sex. And if you are not careful, they will kill you before your time. Now let's go further and listen to what Paul is saying. Paul said, do not withhold yourselves from each other unless you agree to do so just for a set time in order to devote yourselves to prayer. So you see, Paul said, when you are devoting yourselves to prayer, you should agree that, okay, for this period, maybe we are fasting for three days. So within that three days, we are not going to Jerusalem. So we are all praying. But after that time, then you go straight to the embassy, straight to Jerusalem. Paul said, after that set time, if you still don't go to Jerusalem, after the set time you kept for yourself, the devil will come and tempt you. Listen to what he said. He said, then you should come together again so that Satan does not tempt you through your lack of self-control. Because we all agree that for these three days we are not going to Jerusalem. But after the three days, if you are doing a whole lot of things, oh, I'm tired, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Issues will happen. Satan will come and tempt you. It is within that period that the secretary of your husband will start bringing him breakfast. Hey! He said, oh, boss, um, I don't know, I just thought it wise to um, just come and um, serve you with this. It's rolling coming. Now listen to what Paul said again in verse 6. He said, but I say this as a concession, not as a command. It is like, he's saying this like as a privilege given to him as an apostle to declare, but not as a command. He said, I would like everyone to be unmarried. That means that that statement Paul made is not a command from the Lord. It is just a declaration he's making based on that kind of authority given to him as an apostle. He said, I would like everyone to be unmarried. Say, come in, quad dia, and come on, be angry. Are you following? He said, I would like everyone to be unmarried like I am. However, each person has a special gift from God on this and on an, and another that. One this and another that. Now, based on that special gift, that's why I said, there are certain people, according to their special gift, which speaks of your destiny, you are supposed to marry. So Paul said, but according to the special gift given to you, 
So maybe according to that special gift, you are supposed to marry. Now, verse 8, he said, I say to those who are unmarried, especially to widows, it is good for them to remain like me. Now, all these things that Paul is saying, he's saying them not as a command, but according to his own understanding. And he said, however, if they cannot control themselves, they should get married. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. If you look at Paul, according to his destiny, he said the guy had even taken that passion of sexual intimacy, that edge for sex is gone. Your 12 report, you say, pa. It is gone. So he said, he would love that all men would be like him in that area of not getting married. But then, if you say you want to, you don't want to marry, but if you still have that burning passion in you, if care is not taken, you become Father Bernard. Are you following? Good. Now listen to what Paul said again. He said, to married people, I give this command, not really I, but the Lord. Now you see, right now he's about to say what Jesus said. So he said, I'm giving, first he said, what I'm saying is not a command. This is by my own understanding. But now, what I am about to say, it is a command from the Lord Jesus. And that is what he said. A wife must not leave her husband. Are you following? So this is what Jesus said. That in the times of old, God never prepared marriage to be divorced. So a wife should not leave her husband. Now listen to what Paul is trying to say. He said, but if she does leave him, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. Likewise, a husband must not abandon his wife. Now we all know that Jesus said this in Matthew 19. I hope we all know that. So as for this one, it is what Jesus said that Paul is trying to just rephrase. Are you following? Good. Now let's go further. He said, I, not the Lord, said to the rest of you. So you see, this is Paul speaking, not what the Lord said. But this is Paul as an apostle. He said, I am saying to the rest of you, if a brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, when a Christian brother marries an unbeliever wife and she is willing to live with him, he must not abandon her. Hey, Paul, 
God said, he's speaking. If a brother, a Christian brother marries an unbeliever, and the unbeliever wife is willing to stay with the husband, the man should not abandon the wife. And he said, and if a woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he is willing to live with her, she must not abandon him. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified because of his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified because of her husband. Otherwise, your children will, will be unclean, but now they are holy. Paul. Now you see, the Bible said, yes, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, but now you are married to an unbeliever. What should you do now? Paul said, if the unbeliever you have gotten married to is willing to live with you. Now, that word willing there is a heavy statement. It means she's willing to follow what you follow. Like the way Ruth said, the God of Naomi will be her God. Do you know that we have Christians who have married Muslims and they are living together? Now, this is not the original idea of God. But Paul said, if the unbeliever is willing to live with you, don't abandon him or her. This is a heavy statement. Very, very heavy. Now, he's not telling you to now go and look for an unbeliever to marry. Are you getting it? Now, many people get married to churchgoers who are not really born again Christians, but they are going to church. Now, because they are churchgoers, Subani Yabasa, because there is a certain character that is always in a born again believer, a truly born again child of God, has the love of God being shared abroad in his heart by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5. 5. Now listen to what Paul is saying. Verse 15, Paul said, But if the unbelieving partner leaves, let him go. In such cases, the brother or sister is not under obligation God has called you to live in peace. This is the heavy statement that Paul made. Paul is saying that if you have now found yourself in a marital union with an unbeliever and the unbeliever decides that she wants divorce, now according to what Jesus said, if you divorce, you should not marry. You should rather be brought back you should rather reunite with your husband or you shouldn't marry at all because if you marry, you are committing adultery. That's what Jesus said. But now Paul is saying that if you marry an unbeliever and the unbeliever decides to divorce, 
Once the unbeliever leaves you, let the person go. You are not obligated. You are not now under obligation to the laws of the marriage. Are you getting it? So what Paul is trying to say is that if you marry somebody and in one way or the other, the person says, I want to divorce. And the person ends the marriage in divorce. You are not under obligation. You can marry again. I don't know if you are getting if you are getting the whole thing. Okay, that is what Paul is saying. Now, according to where Paul is coming from, hmm, no believer divorces. That is what Paul is having that understanding from. No believer divorces. According to Paul, anybody who wants to divorce is an unbeliever. That is what Paul is saying. That is in his mind. So he's saying that, according to what Jesus said, Jesus says that if in one way or the other you divorce, don't marry again. Because if you marry again, you are committing adultery. You should come back to your husband. That is what Jesus said. But now he spoke according to the law. He spoke to the Jews. Now Paul is saying that if in one way or the other, your spouse by falsely brings in any divorce, you are not under any obligation again. Are you getting it? Now, there, so you can, you can, you can marry again. Now, this is scripture. This is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. Now, understand that Paul is not condoning divorce. Such that anything you say, eh, yeah, eh, yeah, me me not knowing you have seen Kosi Besnata and you want to go and marry him. I think some of you want to hear what I Okay, let me hit it again. Paul said, if you marry somebody, According to Paul, he said, unbeliever. And the unbeliever decides to leave or divorce. Once the person gets out of the marriage, and according to what Jesus said, you should remain unmarried. But Jesus spoke to the Jews because it was actually a fulfillment of what Moses said. Are you getting it? Now, you see, good. That is why I keep telling you this. Being, if you are in an abusive marriage, it does not mean go and divorce. 
I've been saying it here and I'm saying it again. If you are in an abusive marriage, it does not mean divorce. There are a whole lot of ways to handle matters like this. That is why, let's say in one way or the other, okay, let, me, let me help you. If you, you are going to marry, hmm, put this at the back of your mind. You will never divorce. If there should be any divorce thing, it should come rather from your spouse and not you. Are you getting it? So that at the end of everything, you will not be the one to be blamed. You, you should never think of divorcing. Okay. According to Paul, to marrying an unbeliever who has agreed to be with you because you are a believer, then in one way or the other, the, the other becomes, a, no, the other does not become a believer, but is sanctified. San, that, that word sanctified then does not mean the person has become a believer. Are you getting it? Now, to be sanctified there, according to that scripture, simply means it is like you being separated. Exactly. What Now, it makes it easy because it becomes a platform through which you can win the person easily. That is what Paul meant by that. Does not mean when an unbeliever marries a believer, no, he or she has become a believer. No, 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 no. Becoming a believer is not by marriage. It is by believing in the Lord Jesus. But then, when it comes to that sanctification, it means that even when, if the husband is the one that is the believer, when the enemy is releasing an attack against the wife who is an unbeliever, because of the believing husband, there can be preservation. So the unbelieving wife can even enjoy some things from the believing husband but then she is not necessarily a believer but it, it becomes the responsibility of the believing spouse to make sure that the unbelieving spouse believes in the Lord that is why at the last part in verse 16 he said wife you might be able to save your husband husband you might be able to save your wife Are you getting it? Said if the unbeliever spouse becomes a believer, which law will work when they want to divorce? That is the point that Paul is saying that believers don't divorce. That is what I want you to understand. Because what is keeping believers together? in marriage is the love of God. But then in one way or the other, if someone decides to divorce, it's the person's own decision. 
exactly the law of Christ. That is what Paul is trying to say. So what Jesus was referring to in the old in, in the book of Matthew 19 was the law of Moses. But what Paul is saying is the law of Christ, which is love. And we all know what Paul said about love in the book of 1 Corinthians 13. Because when the love of God exists between two believers who are married, divorce will never cross their minds. Certain things will never happen in their marriage. Are you following? There might be external forces to bring the marriage to um, a point of separation and divorce. But then as believers, you stand in prayer to win that battle. You don't shift blames. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? This, this, this. No. That is why Jesus said, you need to grow. Amidst all these things, you need to grow before you accept the responsibility of marriage. Are you listening to me? Good. So this woman that I was prophesying to, the ex, she said, the ex-husband, the Lord showed me that the ex-husband was into occultism. And she, the guy wanted to kill the lady. And whilst the Lord was showing me that, the Lord showed me another man. And the Lord said, this man is the one coming to marry this lady. But I, the Lord, have endorsed it. You see, the matter of marriage, eh, when you come before God, that is why you should not look at somebody's marriage to judge. It's a dangerous thing. I'll come, I'll come to your question. Are, are you getting it? That somebody divorced, so you start looking at the person with a different... Be very careful. In fact, one man of God was holding on to what Jesus said, that if you divorce, don't marry again. In his church, two people got married, and in one way or the other, one packed her things and left. And the other one, they had four children. In fact, the last born cry was even 13 months. The woman packed her things and ran away with another man. And the man was suffering. Taking care of four children. So one of the deacons said one time, he even went to the man's house. When he went there, the three um, older children had gone to school. And the man was trying to take care of the last born. The child was crying. The man was even crying. And the deacon was just standing through, looking through the window. And he said, no, this man needs a wife. But the pastor of the church said, once you are divorced, you cannot marry again. This is what Jesus said. Somewhere, somehow, 
the man found a woman that was helpful. By then, the pastor had been transferred to another church. So they got married when the new pastor came. Later, the old pastor was transferred back to the place. And when he saw that the man is now married to another woman in the church, ah, he started telling them, hey, 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 don't touch the communion cup. I'm telling you, now in the mind of the man of God, the guy has been condemned to hell because you divorced and you have remarried. In fact, there was this young man in that same church who was confused about the whole matter. So one time he took the scriptures he wanted to understand. He said, what? Whilst he, he too had the same mentality of the pastor. Whilst he was just in his room trying to understand these things, Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus said, why are you judging my servant? He said, Lord, me, I've never judged your servant. He said, why did you agree with what the pastor was saying? He said, you know, I thought he was my pastor, so believing, he said, no. Whether my servant stands or falls, he does both before me. Don't, who are you to judge another man's servant? Mm. From that day, the guy said, never will I comment on people's marriage anymore. Me, I will never. After the guy had that encounter, two days later they went to church. The wife of the man, the, the, the new wife of the man, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. <laughs> that one, the pastor nearly died. Quote, the Bible, cry. What? You have remarried. You knew that you are going to hell. You are speaking in tongues with me. You see that thing? We live in an era where in the church people believe that. When they see somebody who has divorced and has remarried prophesying, do you know that is why some people don't believe in certain men of God? All because they divorced and they have remarried. Some men of God divorced, they remarried, members left their church. It is because they cannot rightly divide the word of truth. They don't know what is a new covenant law. The new covenant law we are in is called the law of Christ, which is love. Love fulfills everything. Are you getting it? So you see, when someone chooses to divorce, who are you to judge? If the person is a servant of God, leave the thing to God. If they choose to remarry, love them. Who are you to judge? But then there are certain things we need to understand about the matter of divorce. That is why sometimes, even in the prophetic, God can speak to a prophet that there is a spirit of divorce in this family. Fight against it. Because not all divorce 
come through normal, normal ways. There are spirits making sure that marriages do not work. And if you understand this, you will know why, in one way or the other, God also does not like divorce. But if a man divorces, it does not mean God hates the person. And it does not mean the person will not go to heaven. Put that at the back of your mind. What takes people to hell is not divorce. What takes people to hell is their unbelief. But the matter of divorce is this. When people divorce, it becomes a trend in the family. You see that thing? The moment you divorce, if care is not taken, your children will also divorce. That is one of the reasons why you should fight to keep your marriage. That is one of the reasons why we will always be praying for you so that you will not divorce. We will always, we'll always be doing this. We will always be fasting with you so that you will not divorce and a whole lot. But then, if in one way or the other, divorce comes, we still love you because Jesus loves you. We, we, you have not changed. Who are we to judge the servant of the Lord? I did not die to save your soul. It was Jesus who did. And if he still loves you, who, whom am I? Whom am I? Are you, are you getting it? All right, God bless you and keep all of you strong. We are going to end here for tonight. Someone said, my mom divorced her first husband and it continued. She divorced all her husbands, so she decided not to marry again. Look at this. Okay, Bibiniba said, Daddy, please, what's the difference between couple put together by God and a couple put together by man? The couples that are put together by God, it will be difficult for you to detect it physically. But then God does that according to the destiny that he has given to them. Are you getting it? Sometimes he does that. By speaking to you, go and marry this person. But that one is rare and tense. Sometimes he will lead you in, in a way by the spirit to the right person. You will not see any dream. You will not see any vision. But deep inside you, you can bear witness with the spirit that the Lord is leading you to this person. Are you getting it? And God does that because of the purpose that he wants to establish in that union. But then, two people can decide to marry on different bases. Right now, people marry because of a Japadeh. Go and ask Hakimi. Go and ask Ibuwe. He will tell you. Some of these gold diggers in the western sector, they will just be running after footballers. 
knowing very well they have money. You, you, these footballers to they be they they can't close their zips. Jamai full sardine. The sun. No descending. Untimin descending. He go worry or babia. Nilajini na iskeskeska. See, people even marry because of documents. Is there many ways people marry you and God is not in it? Are you getting it? Somebody can say me, if the guy does not have I let I saw something this afternoon. Somebody said, I will never date a guy who does not have more than 52,000 Ghana cities in, in his account. 520 million good currency. So we need be a, I will never date him. Go and ask your father if your father has that amount of money. Don't know why the world is breeding stupid young girls. Oh. Somebody says, so basically the marriage between a man and his wife is likened to the relationship between Christ Jesus and his church. There can be no divorce because the church bride waits patiently for the coming of the groom, Jesus Christ, for that destined glorious marriage. Exactly. You're on point. Exactly. You are on point. Exactly. Exactly. People of God, the Lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe that this has been a blessing even to our lives. Amen. I pray that if there is any spirit of divorce tormenting your glorious marriage, may the hand of the Lord deliver you from the grip of that spirit in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. If somebody is trying to snatch your marriage, you need to be spiritually sensitive enough to stand and fight it. Are you listening to me? Don't say, that many of, of them, it is not the matter of their heart. It is influences from other spirits. That is why you should be a believer who is spiritually sensitive. Because if you leave your marriage for that spirit, it means you have allowed that spirit to thrive over you. And it will never happen to you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And listen to what I said. I'm saying it again. If you are married, and even if there will be any single thought of divorce, it should never come from you. If you are here listening to me. Put it at the back of your mind. You should never make up your mind, me, I will divorce. And you be that. Are you listening to me? If your spouse makes his mind that he will divorce or he should divorce you, now bohumpaye who be be an astil or so be now fine, let him go. That's what Paul said. Let him go. And if you let him go, you can pray to God. If you want to marry again, you can marry again. But then don't make up your mind that me I will divorce. Me they may child. Some of them say I already make child. Some of them don't do that. Don't do that. 
I pray that the grace that sustains marriages will be released upon you and your marriage in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. You will see the glory of God in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep all of you strong. Please don't forget. Yes, right after here, I'm going to upload the message. I'm going to upload the message. So please, you can download it and share it to your friends and loved ones. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Please, God willing, tomorrow we are all getting mail. Mail. Dadwa. Dadwa. Mm? So make sure you get one. Okay? Yes, make sure you get one. And it's going to be the prophetic direction even against the wicked people. And Friday, we are all bringing salt. God bless you. We are going to meet this night at exactly 12 a.m. GMT, even for priesthood time. God bless you, my daughter. Van Elsie, God bless you. God bless you. What God is about to do with you, you, you will be shocked. Get ready for a new dimension of the power of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, Van Elsie. The Lord bless you, my dear sister, Mamie Jewa, Eradisha, Apostle Clean. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I want family life for the minister my Family life, family life. So, um, okay, maybe we will talk about that on the WhatsApp platform. Yeah, the mega one word of family life people to also come, so don't be worried. Mm, God bless you. God bless you and keep all of you strong. I was inviting somebody to come and minister. He said, the platform is one shadow domain to me. I said, oh. The platform is what she says. I don't yet to flow to her. Says, what are you trying to say? Explain. If somebody joined and saw 270, what's he? Hey! Aden! <laughs> 275, Aden! Yeah, that's when they see the crowd. Now, it's not supposed to be like that. The Lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please, on Friday, purpose in your heart to release a seed to seal what the Lord is doing against our adversaries. You will record casualties in your mother's house, in your father. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. Join us this night at exactly 12 a.m. GMT as we fire prayer against the wicked people. The Lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to upload the message right after here. God bless you and keep all of you strong in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen.
Yeah, man. 